Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the third Sunday after the Epiphany. That's referring to the wise men coming to worship the infant Jesus. Epiphany season of the church year. Again, that's the season where we think of Jesus being manifested as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Our order of service today begins in the bulletin. We're opening with hymn number 629, O God from God, O Light from Light, hymn 85 in the Red Book. Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. 
I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God, who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this third Sunday after the Epiphany is from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 and 10. A reminder, Jonah was the reluctant prophet when first called to... Proclaim, well, judgment, destruction on Nineveh. He didn't want to go because he didn't want God to be gracious to the people, the people of Nineveh, an enemy nation. He didn't really want God to be gracious to them. And, well, wouldn't we want God to be gracious to absolutely everyone? Well, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh this time. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah entered, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Alleluia! Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing every disease. Alleluia! Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. A reading which encourages us to live our lives focused not on the things of this life, but on heaven. Paul said, What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if 
not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. We'll sing our next hymn, hymn number 381. It's 90 in the Red Book. I hear the Savior calling. is not correct. The people who in darkness said, that's what you Oh, want. that's the correct one. I was thinking of the wrong hymn. 381, the people who in darkness walked. Let's bow our heads for prayer. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers who are also called to be fishers of men, one winter, Murdy Getty, he was an evangelist from years ago. He was flying into the interior of British Columbia, Canada, and everything was covered with snow and frozen solid. And as he was flying, there was a man who was seated next to him in the plane. And this man didn't know who Murdy Getty was, that he was an evangelist. And so he asked the simple question, what are you headed north for? Getty replied, I'm going fishing. The man responded to that, fishing at this time of year? Getty said, sure, good fishing at this time of year. And well, the man wasn't convinced, so he asked him, well, what do you fish for? And Getty responded, dead ones? And now that really caught the man's attention. He immediately asked, did you say dead ones? And Getty responded, well, of course, they're alive after I catch them. The evangelist had really bewildered his newfound friend. The man was hooked and was wondering what was going on and what Getty did then is he had the opportunity to tell him what he meant by going fishing for dead ones who became alive like that and he was able to tell the man about Jesus the Savior. In our reading for today, what Jesus is doing is he's encouraging us to be, well, like the disciples and like Murdy Getty. He's calling us to carry a net for Christ, to carry a net for Christ. And he wants us to share with others what we have learned about, about Jesus, our Savior. When he calls us, he wants us to see that that call to carry a net for Christ, that call, it looks for unconditional commitment from us, and it guarantees unimaginable compensation. Our reading, it's from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus had begun, Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist, and then he spent those 40 days out in the wilderness where he went without food, and, and for 40 days he was tempted by Satan, and Satan hurled at him the best or the worst of the temptations that he could hurl at Jesus. And, and what Jesus, of course, did is, using the word of God, he withstood and overcame every single temptation that Satan hurled at him. The beginning of his ministry showed Jesus defeating the devil. And then sometime after Jesus' temptation, John the Baptist 
ended up being in prison because he told King Herod that it was wrong for him to be living with his brother's wife. And under those circumstances, then Jesus headed north in Palestine to Galilee. Partially that was to, to avoid Herod and any further, any complications he could have in dealing with Herod. But our reading, it also says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. His message led his first hearers back then to go back to the scriptures that they had heard in the synagogues and, and which some of them, by the grace of God, did believe in and, and, and grasp and understand. Already, think about it as the infant Jesus was taken to the temple. Remember the two believers that we hear of there. There was Simeon, that aged believer, and the scriptures do say of him that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then there was Anna, that another aged child of God, and scripture says of her, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Their faith was based on the Old Testament passages, prophecies that talked about the Savior, like the one that was in Deuteronomy. That Old Testament passage where Moses prophesied, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. So Jesus now proclaimed, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. And when he said that, those who knew the Old Testament scriptures, they were looking for Jesus, the promised one. And the promised one was calling the people to it says, repent and believe the good news. And that idea, it's kind of important for us to realize that to repent and believe the good news, that's really one action. It's not two separate actions. It's not that a person repents and then becomes a believer. Actually, when God the Holy Spirit works faith in a person's heart, he works faith and repentance in that person's heart. Both at the same time, you'd have to say, and see, what that means, of course, is he works in a person's heart so that there's an acknowledgement of sin in our lives. There's sorrow for sin. There's looking to Jesus, trusting in Jesus for forgiveness. And then there's also looking to the Holy Spirit for his help to fight against the sin that would be in our lives. But it's important to remember that faith Repentance, believing repentance, they're, they're one action, really. That's what the believer does. He lives a life of repentance. Many years ago, there was a prominent underworld criminal figure, a gangster, who attended a large religious crusade. And interestingly enough, he learned about Jesus and he professed a faith in Jesus. But as the months passed after that, his lifestyle didn't change. He remained a prominent, a prominent underworld 
criminal figure, a gangster. And when he was confronted about that, he basically said, well, no one told him that, that there needed to be a change in his life if he was supposed to, to believe in Jesus. Only then did they explain to him the need for repentance in a person's life. And upon hearing of this, he wanted nothing more to do with Christianity. He, he had reasoned before, well, there are Christian football players, there are Christian cowboys, there are Christian politicians. Why not there be also a Christian gangster? He didn't recognize that there was a change and apparently there really never was any faith there either because if there had been faith there would have been repentance. The Holy Spirit working on his heart to want to fight against the sin that would be in his life and well being a believer it does look for unconditional commitment in our lives. And when we know what Christ has done for us, well, then we want to live for him. Our reading continues. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Simon and Andrew had been disciples of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist had encouraged them to follow Jesus, become disciples of Jesus, which they had done, but they continued also to be fishermen at the same time. But now what was happening is that Jesus called them to be fishers of men, and he was calling them, we could say, into a full-time, full-term internship, Mark says of them, at once they left their nets and followed him. At this time, did they understand what they were getting themselves into? Did they realize that Jesus, what Jesus was calling them to do? Probably not. But they would learn over time that when Jesus was giving them this call to carry a net for Christ, he was looking for their unconditional commitment in their lives. And, and he's looking for the same thing in our lives as well. He wants us to subordinate absolutely everything in our lives to the Lord. That sounds like a very difficult thing. That means that what's most important, what's most significant in our lives is our Lord and our faith in our Lord. What's most important in our lives is not ourselves, not our family and friends, not our jobs, not our hobbies, not our earthly possessions, not sports. Nothing is most important in our lives but the Lord Jesus himself. The, the meaning to the first commandment says, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things to follow Jesus. It 
means also that we'll want to simulate and to copy our Savior's ways. The, the Apostle Paul encourages us, but just as he who, has, who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Striving to be holy, not getting, not getting absorbed by the sin that's of this world. When, when Paul says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, he's urging us to be as humble as Christ was. And we'll also want to love and forgive others unconditionally as our Savior forgives, as he forgives us. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. To follow Jesus, that also means to share the cross of Christ. Jesus said, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And here he's talking about accepting the trials and troubles that are a part of living as a believing child of God in this sinful world. And then finally, what he's also encouraging us to do here when he calls us is he's calling us to share his work, to carry a net for Christ, to be fishers of men. In the business of fishing for men, though, it's not one's skills or fine equipment that produces results. It's the Holy Spirit working through the Word that produces results. There was a fisherman who had all of the best equipment that the fishing stores were able to sell to him. But he was having no success and nearby he saw this young boy. And this young boy had a stick and a string and a, a bent pin for a hook. And when he saw that young boy with his inferior equipment like that, what happened is he just kind of laughed and said, he'll never catch anything. But then he looked next to him and he saw that there was, there was a fine string of trout that he had caught. So he asked the young boy, how is it that I can't catch any? And the young boy replied to him, because you don't keep yourself out of sight. And now, that's the secret of fishing for men as well as fishing for trout. When we carry a net for Christ, we'll want to preach Christ and Him crucified and let our hearers concentrate on our Savior and not on us who are carrying a net for Christ. Focus on Jesus. Focus on His Word. Focus on what Christ has done for us. After calling Simon and Andrew to carry a net for Christ, Mark says, when Jesus had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. 
the call James and John received to carry a net for Christ was the same call that Simon and Andrew had received just a little bit before this. The Lord was also looking for James and John for an unconditional commitment for them in their lives. And now it would be a tough road for them to hope as they trained to be fishers of men. It would be a tough road for them to hope as they would travel to learn that to be that fishers of men, to be Jesus' disciples. But let's also remember that that call to be fishers of men, to carry a net for Christ, it's not a call to poverty or isolation or relentless misery. The call to be disciples of our Savior, to be fishers of men, to carry a net for Christ, that's a call to fullness of life because as believing children of God and, and fishers of men, we really have the best life that there is in this life. It's also the call to the freedom of faith, freedom from Satan, sin, death, and hell, freedom to live forever the, and the future of eternal glory. That's what these four disciples and all the other disciples were called to. That's what you and I are called to as well. We're called to fullness of life, freedom of faith, and a future of eternal glory. By God's grace, by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, those four men, they never forgot the one who called them. The Lord of the universe had invited them to be some of his closest, dearest companions for an exciting and unforgettable approximately three years for Jesus' public ministry. And above all, they never forgot the one in whom they had placed their confidence, their hope for eternal life, for the salvation of their souls. They had placed their confidence in this Jesus because, well, not them, but because the Holy Spirit, because of his gracious work of calling them to faith to be believing children of God. And what Jesus wanted of them and what he wants of us is to share what the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts, that knowledge of, well, our sin, and what we deserve because of our sin, but then the knowledge also that we have this amazing and wonderful Savior who took care of that problem, who takes care of all of our problems and makes it that we can be absolutely certain of heaven. And now Jesus wants us to share that wonderful message with all mankind, that message of his grace and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's why he called them then, and he's still calling disciples to be fishers of men, to carry a net for Christ, regardless of the cost. People still need to hear the gospel before they can believe so that the Holy Spirit can work on their hearts 
and make them believing children of God. And now, if it was left up to us, and, and well, it is, remember, Jesus gave us the job, not angels, the job of sharing the gospel, of going into all the world, proclaiming the good news. But now, if it's left up to us, will the people around us hear the good news? And don't we want everyone to hear about the Savior and about his grace and love and about the certainty of heaven through faith in, in Jesus. In his book, Treasury of Quotations on Religious Subjects, F.B. Proctor tells the story of how uh, Roland Hill, a well-known 18th century British minister, talks about him and how on one occasion he was introducing a friend to Dr. Edward Jones, Jenner. And this Edward Jenner, maybe you recognize the name, he's the one who discovered the vaccination for smallpox. And when Pastor Hill was introducing his friend to Dr. Jenner, he commented that Dr. Jenner, that he was... He had saved more lives than any other man. And when the doctor heard this, he turned to Pastor Hill and, and he remarked, you said I saved more lives than any other man. And that may be true. However, I would rather have it said of me as it might be said of you, that God used me to save more souls. May it always be our greatest desire in life, wherever God may place us, whatever job, whatever responsibilities that we have in life, may it always be our greatest desire to carry a net for Christ, to be fishers of men, to share with others the great good news that has been shared with us, that we're so blessed by that news of God and of salvation through the work of Christ, not through our works, not through our deeds, but through Christ, through his suffering and death and his resurrection. That is the greatest news of all. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith, again using the Christmas Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, who sent his Son to be my Savior. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men, who lived to suffer, die, and rise again, to free me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who brought me to faith in my Savior, and by whose continuous work in my heart, 
I rejoice in my salvation, show forth his praises, and will one day live and reign with him in all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Hear our prayers, Lord Jesus Christ, and come with the good news of your mighty deliverance. Drive the darkness from our hearts and fill us with your light. And equip us to be fishers of men, to carry a net for you, O Christ, so that that wonderful message of sin and grace, law and gospel, reaches more and more souls so more and more souls can know what we by the grace of God are so blessed to know that we have a Savior and a way to heaven. And Lord God, as we continue to deal with winter weather, we ask you to please keep us in your loving care, watch over our physical safety, but we especially keep on praying to you. Lord God, watch out for us and for our eternal souls. Watch out for those who are dealing with life's problems and troubles and aches and pains and illnesses. If it's your will, grant healing, but especially keep on granting your grace and your mercy and your love. And we gather up all other prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. And I thank you again for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements. Today would be Vicki Carpenter's birthday, Wednesday, Susan Coit, and Paula Greathouse. Oh, reminder that we do have our Wednesday worship at 6.30 p.m. for those who maybe weren't able to make it on Sunday and for those who maybe would like to worship again. Nothing really new to report about the aches and pains and the trials and troubles that are in our congregation, please keep the people on our prayer list in your prayers. Maybe just one note. I thought we were going to sing, I hear the Savior calling because
that's actually the second hymn in our service. I always have to switch hymns around to see which one doesn't have copyright rules on it that I can sing in our videos. But that's why I had the wrong hymn in mind when, when I announced the second hymn earlier. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.